You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. And then you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. One of the easiest chapters in the whole Bible to find because you just open up to like the first page and it should be right there. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. I would encourage you to turn there in your own either book or if you have a program that has the Bible, that's cool as well. Because I'm just going to read it. We're gonna, we, put up the, uh, we don't put up the worst words to kind of encourage you to turn to the text yourself and get familiar with it. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says... In the beginning, right? Do you know this passage? I'm sure you do. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says the earth was formless and empty. And there was darkness over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So think about that for a second. There's the earth. There's darkness. God is there because he created it. And he's there hovering over the waters. His spirit is there. And verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. This idea that God just spoke, and then there it was. Um, Verse 4, God saw the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, there was morning, the first day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for showing us your awesomeness through your creation. God, we thank you that um, today we're going to talk about how you created. And God, I pray that our hearts would be open to you, to your truth, the truth that is in Scripture God, show us new things. God, allow us to to glorify your name by the the things that you have created. God, we praise you. We worship you, Jesus. And everybody screamed, amen. So I want to tell you a story about uh, a book. Uh, I got to write a book uh, a couple summers ago. It came out. It's called uh, The College Adventure Handbook. There it is. And uh, me and another guy on staff wrote it. Rob Stennett and I wrote it. And it's it's The College Adventure Handbook, The Ultimate Guide for Surviving College, Building a Strong Faith, and Getting a Hot Date. (laughs) We thought that was a funny subtitle. Um, But it was fun writing the book. It was fun being asked to write the book because Rob had already written books. And so I I was just kind of along for the ride. It was a pretty cool experience. And the research was a pretty cool experience. Doing research, meeting with college students, meeting with college counselors, kind of asking tough questions, hard questions, researching, um, and finding out that that one of these statistics kept haunting us. Um, This statistic that says, um, and we found different numbers, all one higher than the other um, on what, what uh, statistic it is that the students entering uh, college, Christian uh, students entering college, what is the statistic that, that after they're done with those four years, how many of them will still be Christians? Well, some of the stats that we were finding was 50% of Christians that go to college, leave college, no longer Christians. Um, <coughs> and we found... Um, even higher stats than that kind of depends on how you ask the question, um, who defines what a Christian is. But we found up to 60% of graduating high school Christians go to college and after four years are no longer Christians. And we began asking uh, some of those questions like, well, what causes this? And we found lots of causes. Um, and one of the causes, or one of the chapters of our book we wrote on um, kind of this evolution creation science deal where you go to college and you are presented with different philosophies than the philosophies that, that maybe you learned in high school, philosophies of evolution and ph- philosophies of um, potentially there doesn't need to be a God because of uh, evolutionary science can explain that away potentially. And so we wrote a chapter of our book uh, and we called it, Do, Does Adam Have an 
a belly button. Uh, and we put that little cool little drawing in there because we thought it looked cool. Um, and it's this, this chapter where we don't ignore the issue uh, that, that I think it's often ignored in, in the church, like this whole evolution, creation, this whole science and the Bible, how do they fit together? And, and I think as a church, it's just a hard question. It kind of causes division. It causes people to roll their eyes and be like, oh, not this again. I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's not something I want to think about. Or um, it's, it's just kind of either boring or you feel uh, rejected by people who don't think along the same lines. And so today in the Mill Sunday School, we are going to go, we are going to dive right in. We're going to talk about evolution and creation. We're going to have uh, three people up here in a little while, and we'll kind of do a discussion uh, with three different people representing different views of creation and evolution. Um, so welcome to the Mill Sunday School. I'm so glad that all of you are here. Yep, that guy. And uh, what? Oh, that's so weird. Stop making fun of the things. That, that, what is that? Anyways, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. And um, don't do it again. <laughs> Anyways, inside joke, I guess, if you're, if you're new. But if you are new, we, there's visitor cards. And by the way, there's lots of, I see everybody's in the back. There's two t- open tables all the way up here. If you want to come sit in the front, I would love that. Uh, and there's room up here. So if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, there's uh, cards. You could fill them out. You could bring them to the back, and we'll give you a welcome CD. We'll thank you for being here. I'll send you an email about what, who, who we are, how to get involved, more about the mill on a Friday night. And by the way, you don't have to be a miller to be at the Mill Sunday School. There's people that are older than college and 20-somethings, people that are younger, and we welcome everybody. We don't card at the door uh, is kind of our joke. Anyways, Moving right along. So I'm, I'm going to move very fast so that we can get to the moment where we invite our uh, people representing different views to come up and discuss. But we are in this nine-month systematic theological topic that we've been on for a couple months now. Here we are in November talking about God's creation. So let's quickly review what we talked about this month. Um, as far as announcements go, I forgot to say this, there will be no Mill Sunday School next week. Uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend, I know, sad, but it's this time where we give the staff and the leaders who kind of pull off Sunday school on a weekly basis say, take, the, take that Sunday off, be with your family, go travel, um, ha- happy Thanksgiving. So if you come next week, there'll be nobody here. You'll just kind of sit around in the lobby and be like, yeah, we forgot. But uh, anyways, so that's all. So anyways, no mill Sunday school next week. Uh, creation review. Um, We've been quickly talking about how there's open-handed and closed-handed issues for systematic uh, theology. There's these closed-handed issues where we would say um, that, that, that there's foundational issues, there's creedal issues, Jesus is Lord, the Bible is uh, God's word, uh, things that all Christians would hold in a closed hand and say, we all believe this. And then there's open-handed issues where we in this room, if, if let's say we're all Christians in here, um, and we in this room can have discussions and debates um, over certain issues of methodology, how we do things. Uh, and one of those things would be uh, how and when God created, we'd say is an open-handed issue. Um, but the closed-handed issue is that I think all Christians would agree with is that God did create. And there's, so there's this idea that God created his creation and we are creation dualists that I explained a couple weeks ago that we believe in God and his creation and that, that somehow God made all that is. Um, and then there's debate. 
for, uh, well, maybe he created things in uh, order. Maybe he created um, uh, plants, and then uh, a couple million later, million years later, he created humans, and, and the, maybe he'll create something else someday, um, and, and he creates along the way, or more of a theistic approach is, is just saying, well, maybe God just created a long time ago and put things um, in this package so that they could grow and develop and evolve. And so there's people in this room that are more six-day literalists, and that's cool. And then there's people in this room that are more like, oh, maybe God created over a series of events, over an old earth period. And then there's people in here um, that are, well, maybe God just started it off. And, and the processes of evolution, uh, the Big Bang, maybe, maybe that, that was just all part of God's plan and how he did it. Um, the big idea being uh, this, that this topic is an in-house talk, meaning that we, all as Christians, um, this is not a foundational issue. You don't look at the Nicene Creed and say, look, it says, God, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen, in 10,000 years or less. It's like, no, that line isn't in there. It's just the line that is in there is that we believe in God, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe that God created ex nihilo, this Latin phrase, for out of nothing. He just spoke and then there, there was. And so there is debate, though, um, over Christianity. So I, I wrote this sentence. Christianity affirms a creator. However, there is discussion about how he created and this is, an, this is an open-handed issue. This is an in-house discussion that I really wanted to, to remind you of so that um, in a few minutes we'll have some, some people up here w- with different views and we could all at the end of the day say, yes, we are all Christians. We all believe in the same Jesus. We believe in the same God. We just have a discussion and a debate over how God created it. And it really comes down to um, these, these two books that we've been given. Hugh Ross, the famous... Uh, uh, if you know him, he's the, the famous um, Christian progressive creationist. And he said, we've been given two books, figurative books. One, a literal Bible book, and the other, nature. And so that's how we learn about who God is and, and who we are. We learn from the Bible, and we learn from the nature, the things around us. And the, here's, I don't know if you could see that well enough from where you're sitting, but this on, on the left there is the scientific method. You observe things, you hypothesize, you experiment, and then you do it again. You reobserve the experiments, you rehypothesize, you re-experiment on. And so that's, that's what science is. This is the scientific method. And so what do we do as Christians when... We see something in the Bible that doesn't really go along with, with maybe what science is hypothesizing and they've experimented on something and we've observed and we've reobserved the same thing and it's kind of different than what the Bible says. For instance, uh, here's an example, um, a silly one, but uh, one nonetheless. Um, has anyone ever observed a dragon in real, not in Skyrim or in Lord of the Rings, but in real life, anybody? No, no one's raising their hand. So we haven't observed dragons. We would say, oh, no one's observed dragons, but they are in our history books. And so we think, well, they're probably mythological creatures. They're figurative creatures. They're not real. They're mythology. Um, And yet the Bible has a dragon in it. In Revelation 12 and 13, there's a dragon who comes. And so we we could say as Christians, well, the Bible must not be true because here the Bible is mentioning dragons. And of course, dragons aren't real. They're mythological. So the Bible must not be true. And we'd say, no, that's a silly example. Take a step back and say, well, the Bible 
it, the book of Revelation specifically is very metaphorical, allegorical, and so it's, it's mentioning the spiritual being who is represented as the dragon, and, and so we'd say, no contradiction here. Um, don't, don't be silly. Don't throw out the Bible just because it mentions the dragons, and dragons aren't real, so therefore the Bible must not be real. No, no, no. It's, no, it's not like that. We'd say, that passage is figurative. It's not literal, right? And so we could uh, say that, oh, There's other passages that we could just describe as figurative if they don't match with science. For instance, a very important story uh, in the Gospels is that a man named Jesus came and then died and then spent some time dead in a grave and then rose from that grave. And everything I know about observing and hypothesizing and experimenting on dead people is that dead people don't come back to life. They don't raise from the dead, right? And so here we have this, oh, it's science versus the Bible. Did Jesus really raise from the dead? Well, since people don't raise from the dead, Jesus must not have raised from the dead. And, And that we would say, as Christians, we'd say, that's kind of the point, that people don't raise from the dead, because that was the great miracle that happened, and people did observe it. And we could look back upon history and say, look at this, this awesome event that did happen, literally. Um, and so even though there's, there's science saying one thing, oh, that must be a figurative story, we would say, no, it, it's literal because it, it happened. And that, that's, that's what we would say as Christians, that Jesus rose from the dead. That is our hope. That is what we look forward to ourselves, as being raised from the dead. So what do we do when we talk about creationism. Well, there's different views, and it's how literal you approach Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 31. You could approach it very literally, or you could approach it non-literally. And here's where the open-handed issue comes in. So, um, you can talk, uh, I think both literal and non-literal approaches to Genesis, both would say they're both true. And what do I mean by that? That's kind of a weird thing to say. Um, I would say, well, parables are true. When Jesus told a parable, he was speaking a truth, but it wasn't literal. And we think about it, we say things like this all the time, things that are true, but not literal. Anybody play baseball? Nobody? Okay, a couple of people. So you've probably heard the phrase, if you want to hit the baseball, you need to keep your eye on the ball. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Is it literal? The ball flying through, you're like, eyeball on it. <laughs> No, it's not literal, but it's true, right? Um, another example, hopefully funny. Um, maybe not. What, what, what did Andrew, Andrew, we, me and Andrew were just talking, and Andrew said, what did you say? Oh, I, I've been studying the crap out of Proverbs. And I was like, that must stink. Literally. <laughs> so dumb. Anyways. Sorry, I just said a bad word in church. Anyways. Uh, if you think that's a bad word, I don't know, maybe you don't. And and so I don't need to apologize, but maybe you do. And so I apologized. Anyways, uh, let's move right along. So you look at Genesis 1, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 31, and you say, well, this could be, this is literal, in which case you would be a young earther. You'd say a six literal days. And if you would say, no, it's more figurative, it's more allegorical, it's more, more poetic, well, then you would be moving along with maybe the observations of science and you'd say, well, maybe the earth is much older than it is. And this right here is a very good way to break down um, 
just different views. And to easily ask someone, hey, are you a young earth creationist or are you an old earth creationist? And both are creationists. Both, both believe in the same God. Both would say, oh, I'm a Christian. I have the foundational issues of Jesus. But there's this open-handed issue of how you interpret Genesis 1, uh, verse 1 through 31. Are they six literal days or is this more of a poetic stanza about how God created? It's an open-handed issue. So anybody want to vote so do you, are you, I raise your hand if you're a young earther. The earth is 6,000-ish years, 10,000-ish years. Okay. Raise your hand if you're an old earther. Earth is potentially a million. Oh, about a 50-50. That's interesting. How many of you didn't vote? The majority. I've, I've been asking people this week, hey, are old earth or new earth, basically? And they're just like, oh, gosh, I don't want to say it. I don't, they're either embarrassed or they're like, gosh, I, I studied that before. Really don't want to study it again. Um, I don't like that question. But let's just remind ourselves, this is an open-handed issue. This is an issue that we can talk about. We can, we can even use the word debate, but nicely. And, and at the end of the day, we walk out of here and we say, yeah, we're all still Christians. Um, let's talk about how old we think the earth is based upon the books that we've been given, the Bible and the book of nature that is before us. So anyway, so that's usually the two views, an old earth and a young earth view. And then there's a middle earth view if you're Bilbo Baggins. Um, <laughs> get it? See what I, it's so funny, huh? Anyways, uh, it's kind of this crossbreed between the two. And it's, it's, I put it as like a smaller view, uh, literally, in, in font. Because it's a good view from the surface of things. You're like, oh, sweet, I'm a gap theorist. That's the perfect in-between, between an old earth and a middle earth. Uh, and it's really not that great of a view. It's, it's a not that popular of a view amongst people who are really into this kind of thing. Um, and because it has lots more problems than, than the other two. But anyways, it's basically this view that in between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, God created, and then there was billions of years. And so maybe 4.86 billion years, maybe millions of years, maybe 13.75 billion years for the age of the universe. Who knows? But there's this gap of age between verse 1 and verse 2. And then six literal days God created. But that, it just creates kind of more problems because then you're like, oh, that's how we got the mountains and the valleys because uh, they were formed over time. And then you're like, wait, that doesn't really answer that because we, we find uh, f- fossils of, of animals in those, and plants in those, uh, those records of sediment. And so it's like, wait, if they weren't created, if the earth is very old, but then, the, then God created uh, like the animals on day six, then why would those, you know, why would those levels of fossils be in this record? So it really doesn't answer that. It doesn't answer the question, um, if God created the stars on the fourth day, then how do we look at, you know, the, the sun is seven minutes away, the light that takes the, this, the light from the sun takes seven minutes to reach the earth-ish, depending on where it is on the uh, roundy round. Um, and uh, the, the, I think the next closest star is about 10 years away. It takes 10 years for that light from that star to reach the earth. I think you could, you could fact check me on that. Um, and, and then so there's some other stars that are thousands of years away that, that take that light. And there's other stars that are even more than that. So if the earth is only uh, 6,000 years, if the stars were created on the fourth day, then that really doesn't answer that question of like the gap theory. So it's, it's this theory that uh, I'm going to stop talking about it because it's not, it doesn't really do justice to either view. Um, but the young earth view is, is what a lot of you, maybe half of you raised your hand for, the six-day literal approach. Um, and I found this Gallup poll 
uh, uh, survey that said 46% of Americans, not just Christians, but Americans believe in a six-day literal view of creation that the earth is less than 10,000 years old, which was very surprising to me. It's like, wow, that many. Um, Interesting. Cool. Um, And so that's the view of six literal days, very young earth. Um, And I think Chris, who will represent the six-day literacy, will explain why the the earth is young in a six-day literal model. Um, And so uh, that's that view. Moving right along to the old earth views is this progressive creationist uh, model where God created in certain times, like he created maybe the the universe, and then maybe he created the earth, and then maybe he created uh, plants, and then maybe he created animals, and maybe there's millions of years in between. But a progressive creationist would say uh, that they don't believe in a macro evolution, but that God himself created species at different times. And sometimes people that are progressive creationists are day age. Have you heard of day age theory before? A couple of you probably have. Um, and it's this idea that, oh, God created, that the six days of creation are six movements of his creating potentially a day is as a thousand years to the Lord, or in this case, even more. Um, and that, that maybe billions or millions of years pass between day one and day two. But the problem with that is that like plants were created on day three. And then, oh, so they plants live for millions of years, but then the sun isn't created until day four. So how do plants live for millions of years without the sun? It's, just, it's a theory that's like, well, maybe not. It doesn't really do justice, in my opinion, to, to the progressive creationist model. But anyways, so that's an idea. And then the final one is theistic evolution that is uh, much more scientific, uh, much more the Bible is not literal as, as far as Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 31 go. And it says that maybe God just created um, and, and things evolved, plant life, animal life evolved, maybe even the Big Bang, things like that. But where did the Big Bang come from? Well, God created out of nothing. We, we do believe in a creator. So, That's the views. Do you see them up there? So these are the three that we are going to talk about today and kind of represent. So if these three guys would come forward, um, we will have a discussion. Chris Simmons, Jordan Lee, Aaron Higgins. Do you see the picture of them choking each other? We took that yesterday. It's staged. They don't really want to hurt each other, um, I don't think. What I thought was cool about this picture is that there's a cross in the background, and here they are slugging each other, choking each other. So, here they are. The, yeah, so they got mics. And so what we're going to do is each of them, we're going to go in order but, uh, from left to right. Uh, Chris will go first. He'll read a statement that he wrote about what six-day little literal creationism is. And then we'll put up a timer for three minutes and give him three minutes to talk about his view. And then we'll move on down the line. Sound fun? A round of applause for these guys. Jordan, where's your, your tablet thing? He doesn't have one. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, Chris Simmons. So here is uh, the six-day literal creationist. Do you, you want to read your view, and then we'll give you three minutes. Sounds good. His tablet is still evolving, by the way. Um, <laughs> Get it? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> don't try to help the joke, because helping a joke does the, not really uh, help. Joke. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I just wrote a, a brief paragraph I'm going to read first. Um, just kind of summing up, you know, what is the young earth view, young earth creationist view? I think they're like turning up my mic and making and it all And they're playing around. Yeah, just go with it. Anyway, 
So young earth creationists believe the earth is less than 10,000 years old. The young earth creationist believes, like other creationists do, that the earth was created by an uncreated creator, God. The young earth worldview consists of two primary premises. Premise number one, the God of the Bible created the world, which I think all three views agree with the first premise. And then premise two, Genesis chapter one is literally true. So so here's your timer. You get three minutes. <laughs> it's already started. It's already started. Normally my intro takes four minutes, so I'll kind of skip my intro. My name's Chris Simmons. I'm an alumni of Karis Bible College. CBC. <laughs> but um, I'll just kind of jump right into it. The second premise that I mentioned is really the one I want to hit on about Genesis 1 being literally true. And I don't want to try to convince you that six day literal, you know, that it was literally created in six days and if you don't take this point of view, you're wrong and, you know, not going that direction. But as Joe already mentioned, um, you know, if you look, well, just to start out, why does a six day creationist believe it was that the earth is six to 10,000 years old? Uh, Very simple, it's the genealogy of the Bible. If you just open the Bible, add up the ages from Adam to Jesus, you'll get about 4,000 years. From Jesus to today is about 2,000. So that's where we get this concept of, oh, it's 6,000, six or seven. Um, But, you know, some people say, well, for God, a day is like 1,000 years, like it says in Scripture. So it could be 10,000 or a little more. Um, But... As Joe mentioned, if you look at creation, on day three, the trees were created, the herbs, you know, stuff like that. So if a day is not literally a day, if it's a span of time, then how, how are these trees surviving without the sun? I mean, you don't have to be a scientist to realize if you create trees on day three and then you wait a billion years for day four, how are they going to survive without the sun? So that's really, um, you know, that's my first point there. The, the other thing I wanted to get into is where do we get the concept of 4.6 billion? You know, the six-day creationist is taking the Bible literally, and all these other views are taking it as 4 billion or older, We get the concept from carbon dating, radiometric dating, Um, but with with this point of view, I'm suggesting that that type of dating is not 100% accurate. Um, You take carbon dating and... 20 seconds. 20 seconds, oh my goodness. Time flies when we're having fun, huh? I can't get into it all right now, but there's (laughs) circular reasoning. You're taking the dirt to date the bones and the bones to date the dirt. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but I'll probably come back to that. So, five, three. In conclusion, two. the <laughs> earth is young. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. So, yeah, so what we're going to do after, if you're already, we're going to have each of them share, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of ask them. That's what the cue cards, the three by five cards are on your tables for. And so you could be, begin to think about a question. I'll give you some more directions about that in a second. 
But um, if you have more questions for each one of them or for all of them in a card, uh, that's where we're going. So anyways, Aaron Higgins, uh, the progressive creationism view. You want to read your uh, paragraph? Yeah, I'll read the paragraph. Okay, so progressive creationism is the belief that God created our universe over millions or billions of years, and it is generally accepting of the modern scientific and geological findings uh, related to Earth's age. It is believed that God used both active creation, forming new life, and passive creation, using natural processes such as plate tectonics and uh, microevolution, to shape the earth into what it is today. PC accepts most scientific theories, except most notably that of macroevolution. So wait, you ready for your timer? Your time's gonna fly. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, there there it is. (laughs) Okay, so the way that I like to look at progressive creationism, it's an idea that embraces the finding of science and joins them together with the authority of scripture. Um, as you saw by the graphic Joe showed earlier, uh, progressive creationism, uh, or PC as it is referred to as in, uh, in this circle, is perhaps the broadest of the creationist views. Uh, it sits firmly in the middle of the pack uh, between both sides, which also tends to tick off both sides, um, often at the same time. Uh, <laughs> and now, as Joe also said, it's worth noting that uh, uh, gap and day-age theory um, can find a home in progressive creationism, uh, usually leaning more towards the uh, six-day literal side. Uh, because of this, PC is considered a big tent. Uh, so what I'm about to say may have caveats to it. I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. Uh, I'm trying to be inclusive of the entire big tent without being exclusive. Um, so I'm going to give what majority of PC uh, theorists uh, believe in. So. Anyway, uh, we believe that the universe is old, uh, but just how old is uh, even in disagreement amongst us. Uh, Many of us, however, myself included, tend towards the current scientific findings that the universe is between 12 and 14 billion years old. Uh, Therefore, we usually embrace the concept of the Big Bang, current rate of universal expansion, and the way that the planets developed. But this is also where we begin to diverge from the theistic evolutionists. If this was a train, this is where we would be getting off and they'd be continuing on. Uh, yeah. Figuratively. <laughs> figuratively. Figuratively. Uh, we believe that God began life on our little rock in space and then directly hands-on guided its development. Uh, using both the makes of that hands-on and natural processes, our planet formed into the way it is today. For example, our geologic records indicate that there were times in our planet's history where mass extinction events occurred, uh, such as a big rock slamming into our planet, wiping out most life. And this is also kind of day age and and gap theory too, that God intervened and actively uh, brought back life or created new life. Uh, Ever hear the term fossil fuels? Uh, that is, according to our scientific knowledge, was created by plants and animals that died millions and billions of years ago, turning into oil. So we believe that God used that process so we can have our civilization as we have it today. To put this into the context of Genesis, we look at Genesis as more of a figurative thing. Uh, really, our contention is upon the word yom, uh, which our English translates into the word day. Uh, Y-O-M uh, is a generic passage of time. It can mean anything from a year to a million years or, you know, whatever. Uh, so yes, in the interest of getting to the group discussion, I hand it over to Jordan. Thank you, Aaron Higgins. 
All right, the final view, you want to read your uh, paragraph, Jordan? I don't have a tablet, so. Yeah, he doesn't have a tablet, so I guess he has to look up here and read it. I'm My just going to read just like you can. <laughs> uh, theistic evolution is an ideological concept that maintains that the Judeo-Christian theological teachings are true, as well as the evolutionary findings of modern biology. In itself, theistic evolution is not a religion, nor is it scientific theory. It's a cooperation of the two that asserts the existence of God. He alone is the creator of the material and finite universe, as well as the laws that govern it, and that evolution is a God-employed slash designed process through which life develops. Cool. So um, a little bit about myself. I'm Jordan, and right now I'm doing my graduate work at UCCS in molecular biology. Um, so obviously I'm supporting the closest to science, I think, perspective as we have. Um, but that being said, it kind of, it pits the two against each other, that being religion and science. And I think that for, for us to kind of get along in this world and also understand God, we're not, we're not supposed to pit the two against each other. Um, in the, over the last couple of years, just personally, as I've been a scientist and I've also been a believer for the majority of my life, um, I've experienced God as the greatest scientist. And I think that that is a key role that he plays that a lot of the church forgets or ignores or what have you. Um, and so just as God is, is the great counselor, when, you, when you're in a position where you need wisdom or you need advice or you need guidance, you can go to God and he's a counselor or uh, he's the redeemer, like we're all sinful, we all fell short and you know, the son has saved us. I also believe that God reveals himself and communicates to us as the greatest scientist there is. And so science for me is a way to see God. Um, it's a way that he's communicated to me um, and just shown himself and proven himself over and over again that his hand um, played a very, very direct role in our creation. Um, a lot of theistic evolutionists, well, theistic evolution in and of itself believes that God is very involved in the universe. Um, the opposite would be a deistic evolutionist. Deism says that God just kind of wound up the clock and he's hands off now and doesn't do anything. Um, a theistic evolutionist believes highly in the involvement of the spirit in everyday life, in its leading and in its calling. However, the laws that govern the universe were set in motion for the universe to obey. Um, and uh, just one example real quick, I guess, of the way that I've just seen God, like a lot of people read Genesis 1 and, and it says, God said, let there be light. And the idea is God's flipping a switch. He just kind of turns the light bulb on and there's light. For me, what we understand about light, it's very different than that. God said, there's going to be this body in the solar system and there's going to be a whole bunch of gas and a whole bunch of liquid and they're going to be changing phases and that's going to be causing energy and that energy is going to give off in the form of light. And light's going to behave like a wave. It's going to have a trough and a crest and it's going to oscillate and that oscillating light is going to hit the earth and when it hits the earth it's going to excite electrons and plants and those plants are then going to give off energy and they're going to translate uh, carbon dioxide into oxygen which my people will need to breathe and that sort of thing. So when God said let there be light it's much less of let me just flip this switch and there's light. And when you have like, oh, there's night and day, we know that God just didn't like turn the sun off for 12 hours and then turn it back on, right? I mean, night and day is basically like, God tilts the earth and then he gives it a little spin and now you've got night and day. You know what I mean? So what we know about science really reveals a lot more about God than I think just, uh, I, I don't want to say blind, but um, just a blind belief in what Genesis has to offer. That's good. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan.
Okay, so these guys are ready uh, to kind of think about the questions that you might have. So uh, there's cue cards, and so what? There's you, you, I think there's like one or two per table. So you'll have to talk amongst yourselves, and you can join a bigger table because bigger's better. Um, but the, just write down a question that's uh, clear. It could be for one of these uh, three guys, or it could be for all of them to answer. Um, and and so you're 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 able to ask them anything. So just what questions do you have concerning evolution and creation? Well, you'll write the question down and then you'll turn them in and uh, we'll start answering them. So I'm only going to give you like uh, two minutes or less to do this. So jump right in and think about a question, write it down. Ready to set go. All right. I think um, if you got, do you guys have one you want to answer already? We could stop the music and maybe they could read their question and then uh, I'll collect the rest of these as you guys fill them in. Thank you. That'll work. You want to get started first, Chris? Okay, I'll go first. Um, so the first question for six-day literalist, how does your theory explain the existence of dinosaurs and uh, why do they no longer exist? Well, I mean, dinosaur isn't actually mentioned in the Bible. But you do see in Job 40, you see the word behemoth. And behemoth is describing a big creature. It describes its tail as being like a tree, like a cedar tree. Um, so even though the word dinosaur was, is not in the Bible, there is mention of dragons, behemoths, you know, words that could be a dinosaur. And really the six-day creationist, you know, there's a couple different points of view on dinosaurs. One point of view <laughs> is stating that maybe they didn't make it on the ark because of their size or, you know. Too fat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, other, the other point of view is one that, that they did make it on the ark and, you know, later they just died off. Yeah. And there's, there's various theories. They say they died off because man killed them off. Uh, they, they killed each other off. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's two or three popular theories on dinosaur if you take this point of view. And I'm not going to give you one of those views like it's an absolute truth. Good. Uh, this one I liked is major differences between progressive creationism and theistic evolution and why no macro? Uh, from a uh, progressive creationist point of view, the reason why no macro um, is, is we simply reject the view that uh, dinosaurs turned into birds. Uh, and amongst other, uh, I guess, gaps in the fossil record um, indicate to a progressive creationism uh, viewpoint that there is no macro evolution, macro meaning big. Um, that we all had a common ancestor. Uh, PC uh, usually rejects that as well. Uh, now, microevolution, on the other hand, uh, we see that to this very day. Uh, one of the examples I, I commonly use is dogs. Uh, we have everything from wolves to chihuahuas, and they're all canines. Uh, they all have essentially a common ancestor, so we see that in a, a micro scale or small scale. Um, think of yaks, uh, yaks in cold areas in the Gobi Desert. The long-haired ones survive the cold winters and so they will breed. Uh, that also gives rise to microevolution. 
Anything you want to add to that? It's good. All right. First question. Why are you so dang good looking? <laughs> Did you hear that? I evolved that way. <laughs> um, actually, uh, this first question, I have two that are really related, and they're also really related to that one. So for the theistic evolutionist, what do you believe about macroevolution, and how does that relate to the idea that God made man in the image of God? Um, to, like by the book, a theistic evolutionist would believe that we all came from a single-celled organism, and that at the point in which humans had evolved from that organism, God, that was basically the time that we took on God's image. And then we were deposited with the spirit and the soul and, and something that's eternal, which separates us from the animal kingdom. So by the book, um, that's what a theistic evolutionist would believe. Um, and this other question was, do you believe in macroevolution? Um, and I do. All right, so the next question, how does six day explain fossils? Um, I guess to sum it up, you would explain fossils with the flood. You know, if you have humans and creatures dying in the flood and then you have all this water taller than the highest mountain, um, all that water pressure can just make a bone you know, it can make a bone look older than what it really is. And scientists often don't take that into account that the flood literally happened. Um, just one brief example, radiometric dating, commonly used by scientists, it makes three assumptions. Assumption number one, the original number of unstable atoms can be known. Because they're taking atoms and saying, okay, these unstable atoms from billions of years ago can actually be known. That's their first assumption. Assumption two, the rate of change was constant. Scientists assume that radioactive atoms have changed at the same rate throughout time. So assumption one, we can know the atoms. Assumption two, we can know their rate of change was consistent for four billion years. How do they know that? Assumption three, the daughter atoms were all produced by radioactive decay. So if we take a bone, how do we date the bone? And we have to make assumptions on dating it without taking the flood into account. You guys got some more? Yeah. It, this one kind of actually sits in the middle of the pack, so I decided to take this one. Uh, God said, let there be light on the first day, yet the sun wasn't created until days later. What was the original light? Um, and so this, again, it's a good middle question. I think it applies to all three of us, um, so I'll try to tackle it. Uh, from a PC point of view, uh, the Big Bang happened, and uh, so I, I would side with the theistic evolution point of view in the sense that God created light and all the processes that involved with that, um, and not to take... Genesis 1 at the literal face value uh, in terms of the order of creation. Remember Genesis 1, the audience that it was written for. You've heard that the, written was, the Bible was written uh, for us, not to us. So that the people that uh, the Bible is actually written to, you have to remember the audience was a bunch of nomads and not educated, very unscientific people group. So a very complex idea, the, the universe's creation was boiled down, distilled down to its basic ideas, 
and given to these people to help them understand that God created, and here's a little insight on how he did it. Um, as to the order, in, from, again, PC point of view, uh, I know my friend to the right of me here would disagree, but from the PC point of view, uh, it's not those literal steps. Anything you want to add? All right, I got a few questions that maybe all of you could talk about. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. What is your response to the possibility that God, being all-powerful, created the earth with age characteristics already in it? Maybe each of you could say something about that. Well, I mean, that's kind of funny that you mentioned that one because my dad always jokes and says, well, maybe God made the earth out of old material, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you talk about light years and, you know, the light switch he was talking about and, well, this star is this many light years away and this one's this, so therefore the earth has to be that far away. I mean, when, when God created the earth, it's not like he had to make the light and then wait for it to just travel over. You know, he could have just made it where the light was instantly from A to B. I mean, you know, like the question is suggesting, maybe God made it where it did appear older, but I don't really know the motivation and that speculation at best. Yeah. You could take that concept even further and go, God created the universe just now, this very moment. Everything that has happened before is purely created in our brains. Um, Try to disprove that. <laughs> Can't. Matrix. You can't. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I'm not denying that God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm not going to put God in a box and say he had to have done it this way. And I, I think Jordan would also agree with that. Uh, but I, I also think, too, that God is a God of rules, and he follows order, and he does things very specifically. And when he intervenes with those rules, he does it in a very miraculous and upsetting way. Um, as, as the biggest upset that he ever did was raise somebody from the dead without any kind of intervention. Uh, so that, that's when God breaks the rules, he breaks them big time. Uh, but otherwise, I think God follows the rules, and uh, we can see what those rules are. We're still learning what those rules are. Um, so could have God created with age built in? Absolutely. Um, I don't think he did, though. All I can really say is ditto. Um, but, uh, you know, just like what you were saying, God isn't limited by those rules. He just chooses to follow them. Um, and I think for the purpose of us understanding him. Um, you know, if, if God is, which he is, this infinite, all-knowing, you know, this being that's basically unattainable by the human mind, he has to communicate with us in a way that we can understand and we can relate to. And I think that was... Uh, first and foremost demonstrated by Jesus in speaking in parables. I mean, the guy was God. He knew everything. And yet he chose to speak in a way and communicate in a way and relate in a way that humans could kind of get along with. Um, and so I think he does that because he loves us. And so um, I would really just echo what Aaron said and then add that on. Yeah. Uh, this is the last question. It's something I hear often from a six-day literalist. Maybe this question was written by a six-day literalist. It says this, how can we take Genesis 1 as figurative and not literal? Um, if we do that, then how do we distinguish other parts of the Bible as either figurative or literal? It's like this, this argument that begins like, well, if you can't take the first page as literal, then are you just go through it picking and choosing what is figurative, what is literal? 
Um, you can all respond to that. Me if you first want. this time. Um, <laughs> I I don't. I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but I think it's virtually impossible to take Genesis 1 as literal. No one was there at that time. And even if there was someone there at that time, the first written and understandable language didn't even happen for thousands of years later after we can, fossil, by the fossil record, prove that human-like creatures were walking on the earth and, and forming societies and being nomadic and stuff like that. And so the only way that you can really glean anything I want to say literal out of Genesis is the main points that there is a God and he created and uh, how he did so is obviously what we're talking about this morning, but um, no one was there and, and they couldn't have written it down. And so if someone was there, it would have been oral tradition for a very long time. So since no one was there, you have an oral tradition that was probably just concocted by what someone knew of the universe at that time. All they could have known is, hey, there's light and there's day. We don't really even grow crops yet. Like, we just kind of go wherever the herds go. Um, you know, and so basically I think the story serves its purpose to keep God in his place and keep us in ours. Um, but it can't be taken literally. And, and to further that point, too, you also have to remember the English language is a very poor translator uh, from the... Hebrew especially, uh, we lose lots in translation. Uh, the writing styles used in Hebrew are very subtle uh, in terms of poetry, in terms of uh, being parable or illustrative. Uh, so when it's translated into English, we do lose some of that. So from strictly a translator's point of view, you have to remember what language it was written in and uh, that when translated into English, it loses some of that impact. And, you know, obviously that question is right up the alley of a six-day literal point of view. Um, but, you know, if you look at Genesis, it defines a day as having a morning and an evening, and then that's one day. Um, so the Bible doesn't just say the word day and then leave it up for interpretation. It actually goes a step further of defining, well, here's what a day contains, is morning and evening, and then that's a day. And the only problem with taking it literally is if you believe carbon dating and radiometric dating are 100% accurate, then it's going to ruffle your feathers. If you don't take those two as 100% accurate, then there's no problem with believing in a young earth. Hmm. I think there's a lot more you have to prove wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, um, we I, yeah, these, these guys will be here all day, Fira, taking oh. questions if you want. Um, but I have I just one last to... really quick question. You what? A real quick one. Okay. Aliens. Mm. If God created sure Earth and the universe, really is there room for aliens? <laughs> totally. Totally. For aliens. Uh, well, I just wanted to, I, I have this picture to uh, put up this idea of, uh, this is the Christ the Redeemer statue that sits above the city of Rio de, de Janeiro. It's this Art Deco statue that is huge, and it's from anywhere in the city you can see it. And this idea that whether you're a six-day literalist, progressive, or theistic evolutionist, we as believers would say God created at some point. Um, how he created is up for discussion, obviously, that what we've been doing in here. 
But we would all agree that, that he is not only, he not only created at some point, but he is along with his creation, protecting and guiding it. He is in, transcendent, above, and imminent within his creation. And so we could leave here reminding ourselves of that and that, that God did create and that he is here now listening to us and, and along with us. So that with that, let's, let's close in prayer. God, we do thank you for creating and giving us this creation, calling it good, and God, may we glorify your name with, with what we do with the creation, with what we, um, how we experience it, how we thank you for it, Lord. God, we thank you that you um, put us in it and gave us life and gave us uh, minds, not, not just to get food and to eat, but to, to find you and to consider these things, to think about our origin and how it is that you made all this. So God, we praise you. We love you so much, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.